Is this the part where we like basically do something else and then suddenly realize from our surroundings that we're in the middle of an LBL episode? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> that would be ideal. Yeah. It's kind of like like a dream almost. Like you kind of like have <laughs> one thing going on and then all of a sudden like what like there's like these dream bots around you that are like picking up the scenery and like moving it around. And all of a sudden you just kind of transition to doing something else and it just seemed perfectly normal. Yeah. You have no, you have no concept that like, this is strange that like you were now all of a sudden in like a different country. (laughs) I have to say I did, um, have a weird dream where like, if you ever, I have meta dreams way too frequently where something's trying to trick me (laughs) into thinking, I am awake, but I'm really asleep. <laughs> um, like, uh, I had a dream that uh, last night, and for context, I teach a class at 8 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I had a dream that um, someone convinced me that today was Tuesday and not Monday, like it really was. Oh, wow. Um, and I was like, oh, boy, I haven't gone to bed yet. I set my alarm to wake up for recording a podcast, not for teaching my early class. And I got freaked out about it. And I was like, man, I almost missed teaching my class. And I reset my alarm for an earlier time. And then I woke up at a later time, had a bit of a panic because my dream convinced me that was reality. <laughs> so in so in your dream, you convinced yourself to set your alarm earlier. Right. And then you woke up in real life and panicked about it? Yeah, because I didn't wake up at the right time. (laughs) And I was like, wait, no, it is Monday. It is not Tuesday. You have some boring dreams, Kit. (laughs) I I just have meta dreams. Like, I do weird crap like that where, like, I just, like, dream about my sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Your nightmares are, oh, no, I'm not getting enough sleep. (laughs) Actually, kind of. Uh, <laughs> and then suddenly, you're in the middle of an LBL podcast. <laughs> well, Kit, I've got some bad news for you. Uh-oh. Uh, tomorrow is Tuesday, and you haven't set your alarm correctly. You should go change it. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go change my alarm. <laughs> tomorrow is Tuesday, though, which does mean... It is. Get up it early. is. As a bummer. But today is Monday, October 5th. Ah, that's correct. Forgot we need to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and this is episode 39? That's a good question. It's been so long. Yeah, it's 39. Episode 39. All right. We've almost... Does that mean that, hmm? that next episode is 40? It does. Ooh, I'm excited to do another now. game show. Yeah. All right. That'll be fun. I'm excited already. <laughs> Same. And, uh, you know, it's a cubing podcast, I guess. Something like that. Something like that. Uh, you can discuss our show on the internet. All you have to do is load up uh, the internet, the entire internet on your computer. And, and, then, and then, like, control F it and search for <laughs> layer by layer podcast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> alternatively, you can go to https. Uh, uh colon slash slash uh slash 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 um r e d d d d d d d oh we're out of double letters darn um yeah layer by layer by layer by layer by layer
All right. Well, that was that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think somehow there was a URL in there that you could go to, <laughs> um, or you could discuss us on speed solving. And our logo was made by Sarah Olson. We have follow up today. Wow. That is also world records. That is also Martin Egdal of the day. Yeah. We this this happened uh, in the past month or so, and we all, we both yeah. were just kind of like, oh man, we just had like a whole podcast explode in in one competition. pretty much pretty much yeah yeah and then of course we've taken forever to record it but doesn't help when the whole world is on fire yeah but hey that it's we we, it's kind of like martin agdell got this new world record and then we're like oh that'll be great to talk about on the show hopefully something else happens that'll be great to talk about on the show and then nothing does ever (laughs) (laughs) welcome welcome to COVID life yeah um (laughs) <laughs> also, what I mean by the world is on fire, I mean that our world, meaning the Western United States, yes, has literally, literally on been fire. on fire. <laughs> How have things been there, by the way? Uh, better now. We, I mean, thankfully, our rainy season begins now. So, uh, okay, yeah, we had like a week of rain come in and pretty much quash the fires, but it was, it was like walking outside into poison for about a week and a half. Yeah, we don't have a rainy season here, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> rainy season isn't that like february 14th or something or yeah something like that like one day <laughs> yeah. uh it, it it hasn't rained since june 19th i know that because somebody wrote happy juneteenth on the ground in chalk and, and it is yeah, gone now it's still there it's oh it's still, still there. there oh got it yeah it's still there so okay. it hasn't rained since then wow uh, <laughs> that's been my metric for keeping track of how long it's been <laughs> since it rained uh it's a good metric i like it yeah <laughs> i just <laughs> I just need somebody to write specific dates down. Like every holiday, just write it on the ground in chalk. I'm just going to go outside every day and write down the day in chalk just so I know <laughs> when the last time it rained. Yeah, I mean, it won't it won't take very long for you. Uh, Portland's well, quite a bit rainier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would take a while in the summer, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, the fires were basically like a, a week and a half of absolute hell and then everything kind of cleared up pretty quickly. Whereas mm. from what, at least from what we've seen in California, like your air is definitely bad more on, on a more prolonged scale where we had like air that was like three times worse by AQI, but it was gone yeah. then. Yeah. We've had like a couple of days where the, it's been like, you know, just straight up unhealthy mm-hmm. to be outside. Yeah. But most of the time it's like moderate to unhealthy for sensitive groups is what it says in my weather app okay yeah we uh, we were floating between um very hazardous i think whatever the highest rating is and then beyond the aqi Jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah it, it was not fun um yeah that i think th- the difference is just that our forests are like that we're burning like just don't typically burn mm. so it was just burning everything okay that makes sense yeah yeah do you have like the the like orange skies and all that stuff like so there we did for a very small period of time but what happened was like all the when they said the smoke was going to clear it actually only cleared the smoke above the mountains hmm. uh because um we basically had nuclear winter here where it got really cold but then it created an air inversion so when air came in to like blow the smoke away it blew it all above the mountains but then underneath the mountains, the air was colder, so it wouldn't rise. So we actually only had the um, really creepy skies for a few days. Uh, but then all like the high level smoke got blown away, and it, all the 
rest of it was stuck at our level, which doesn't like distort the sky color. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it still sucked, <laughs> but yeah, because <laughs> then it, at least the sky color is kind of cool to look at. Yeah, <laughs> you missed the one like interesting part. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> no, it was just basically like really heavy fog. Hmm. Um, once like the upper level went away, it was just basically like it was super foggy outside in the way that fog becomes like poison. Yeah, <laughs> just noxious fumes everywhere. Yeah, basically. All right. Well, well uh, all right. On to um, better topics. What were we talking about? Uh, Martin Egdal. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are all the things that Martin Egdal reminds me of, clearly. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Martin Egdal got a new world record, which is the 4.59 square one single. And that was pretty cool. At that competition, too, what, what, what was funny and also maybe slightly unfortunate is that the. Um, world record average holder in square one also was at that comp i believe yeah uh rasmus and i think just was in a different group or something and didn't get that scramble yeah i think i think uh martin egdol said afterward that rasmus uh tried the same scramble afterward and got like a way better time than he did yeah yeah uh it was a very lucky scramble oh yeah yeah i don't re- it, it it wasn't like the m- most obvious lucky scramble though i remember trying to go through it and it was like I don't know. I, and again, I'm no square one expert either. Uh, but I, th- I think it ha- you had to do like the edges in a particular way. Uh, I think I can't remember though. It's I looked at it when it uh, happened like a long time ago. But from what I remember, there were like a couple options that if you had done one way, it would have been not as good, and if you did a different way, it would be very good. Obviously, yeah, I see. Um, but it also because it could be that like. That's how I would see it because I am not good at square one and that like to high level square one solvers, that is just the way you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's probably yeah, I that. I haven't tried looking at it or anything, but mm. um, the video is pretty funny. There's just like no reaction whatsoever to to the solve. Well, yeah. I mean, it makes sense given the way co- competitions have to happen now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of sad. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. But I don't know, it's nice that there are at least some competitions happening. Um, unfortunately, Denmark um, had a very strong uptick in COVID cases recently, though. Mm. No more competitions? <laughs> yeah, I th- Denmark competitions, from what I understand, are kind of taking a back seat right now. I see. Um, unfortunately. So there are probably not going to be any more Martin Eggdolls of the day in the near future. <laughs> ah, that's too bad. It is kind of it's kind of interesting that like there's one there was like one or two places in the world where competitions were happening and it's like the people there just like get more competitions than everyone else. It's kind of kind of a weird thing like with how much the keeping community values world records. Yeah, I know, right? It's like kind of an awkward situation that those people just have more chances at them, but nothing we can really do about it. I would argue that people who are listening to this podcast that are not from the US would be like, "Yeah, this is how we feel about you." in <laughs> yeah, normal times fair. it's fair <laughs> <laughs> so i i mean yeah it, it's kind of weird how that works but it, it's kind of just the nature of how competitions are held anyways it's that it's a matter of who wants to organize them and who is available to delegate them yeah and it's kind of why like i don't know world records maybe shouldn't be like like we shouldn't place so much weight on them because there's so much more that goes into a world record than just skill uh Especially singles. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like just how many competitions you get to go to is a big part of it too. Yeah. On the other hand, though, is it's the cubing is very, very easy to um, fake. If you're so like if we were to like like you know depend on people's like solves at home, hmm. solves at home are just so easy to fake. Right. Yeah. I was thinking more like like we like place more weight that kind of weight on like the world championship and stuff. Oh. But oh. Okay. Okay. That also has its own. You know, like there's also a lot of luck involved in that. Oh, and, totally. Uh, and like you have to have access to that and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, like I don't think anybody would argue, like, for example, at Worlds 2019 that Max Hilliard was the best blindfolded solver yeah. in the world. You know, you could just, ha- especially in blind, you could just have one bad day and that's it. Yeah. It's, it's not really a great metric for who is actually like currently the best, I guess, mm-hmm. just like sustained performance over time. <laughs> yeah. It would be cool to have some place that tracks. I mean, when we're having more frequent WCA comps again, um, it'd be cool to have a place that sort of tracks like um, like more rolling averages based on WCA results. Yeah. And they don't have to be super large. Like depending on the event, it could be like average of 25 or even 12 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's like a long event that has fewer attempts that, yeah, you could just kind of track like how well a, a competitor is doing at that event. I would be interested to see like uh, some kind of analysis on all of the like world records that happen. How like what's the average number of competition or like what's the average rate of going to competitions for people who get them? So among world record holders, what is like the rate of world records per competition? Or just like the rate of competitions per month or something for that person? Oh, oh, I see. Like how much? How much is it just they're getting world records because they're going to a lot of competitions? Like, obviously, they have to be good, and not probably because they're good, they're going to more competitions. But, you know, if there's somebody who's just as good and they don't go to nearly as many competitions, they're not going to get world records right. as often. Yeah, I mean, and th- there's a case to be argued, like, that um, Alex Lau in 2013 was easily the best 3 by 3 solver in the world. Yeah. And the reason he never held a world record is because he just didn't go to enough competitions. There's definitely evidence that this is the case in certain aspects, but... You know, it's also just, if you can't get to competitions, I don't know how, what to tell you. <laughs> like, <laughs> beat COVID better in your country. <laughs> like, I don't know. All right, anything else to say about the uh, Martin Agdol world record? I don't know. I, I have a lot of things to say that are tangential or completely unrelated to the Martin Agdol world record that we can continue talking about. But okay, maybe we should, <laughs> maybe we should do that as a separate topic. So, before we get to these other topics of yours. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about cake. Oh, right. I, I forgot that we, we've been meaning to talk about this like for so many episodes now. I'm so glad that we get around to this now. Yeah. Um, rice cakes. Are they cakes? Um, like those little like handheld things that are in Japan? Um, I don't know. I'm talking about like the like, they're like circles of oh those oh 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 yeah okay they're, they're like brittle circles they're almost just kind of like inflated potato chips <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but are not potato chips because they're not potato right got it um are they cakes uh i would say no i think they're just called cakes because they like are a miniature form of the same shape as a cake i I think they're called cakes because it's using cake in a different like meaning 
like if something's like caked onto something, it's kind of like dried and hardened onto it, right? I feel like I feel like that's where the cake and rice cake comes from. It's just like dried hardened rice. But what's like caked onto it then? I don't know. <laughs> it's not like it's just rice it's itself. Like, it's not like they it's, cake it's like rice, rice on. caked onto onto other rice. <laughs> I I don't follow that. <laughs> this is like the question of whether water is wet or not. Is are, are all is really is everything caked onto itself? <laughs> anyway, that's been uh, cakes. Maybe we'll figure out what that topic's about someday. The next topic in our list. This is actually a pretty fun one. We've got a challenge for you listeners. Yeah, it's, this is an idea we've had cooking for a while now. Yes, much like rice cakes. So you know how this show has episodes, and those episodes have titles. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the titles are things that have been said in the episode. Yeah, I think that makes sense. The thing is, when we're deciding on the titles... We go, th- I, I, while I'm editing, I make like a list of things that we said in the, in the episode that I think could be f- interesting titles. And then we kind of decide together which one to use. That results in quite a few of alternative titles for episodes that we don't use. Uh, so Kit and I were thinking we could hold a little contest for our listeners to see if they can like match up titles with episodes <laughs> where I'll basically make a big list of things that were proposed as alternative titles and then you have to type in the episode number that you think it correlates to yep uh it'll be like a google form and then you'll submit it and we'll see who gets the closest yeah we haven't made this google form yet but it will be a thing that exists yeah so and there are some some episodes with more title ideas than others so like duplicates will be allowed uh like there might be multiple alternative titles for a single episode and there might be some episodes that don't have any alternative titles at all because there's only one funny thing we said in the entire show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some days we're just not on our game, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if that's something you're interested in, check out the link in the show notes. We'll also probably post the link on Reddit or whatever. Uh, should be able to find it. So wait, Andrew, what you're telling me is that if I say anything, it could be the title of the show. It's true. Anything. Anything at all. Soylent Green is people. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, misleading title name. All right. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. Oh, man. Did you hear it? I did hear it. That was, uh, I think I was, I was uh, one sentence too late, more or less, <laughs> or like one phrase too late there, uh, but that was better than I've done recently <laughs> about doing the bell. Yeah, because I'm sure that was definitely the first occurrence of the bell this episode. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. I've been listening, and I also tried to bait you into saying it earlier. Uh, <laughs> you'll never know where, though. <laughs> you, so you tried to bait me, and it failed? Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, and uh, blow your socks off. Uh, barking up the wrong tree in a sock hat. <laughs> Andrew's favorite title. <laughs> One of those will be. 
No, no, I was saying Andrew's favorite title might be the title. It might be the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that I've given you an out so you don't have to pick any of those, right? <laughs> Man, if we ever do this contest again, there's going to be a lot of alternative titles for this episode. It's true. You're... I mean, I might maybe uh, should I include this episode in the in the in the in the contest? <laughs> Uh, that would be a nice softball for anyone. Yeah, yeah, we'll give them some easy ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a thing that I haven't actually heard in a little while, mostly because I haven't interacted with cubers very much in a while who would say something like this to me. <laughs> but it would happen fairly frequently, and I was thinking about it recently. Uh, so I use ZZ. Everyone knows that. And in ZZ, you're kind of not supposed to rotate the cube. Like, that's kind of the whole point of doing edge orientation at the start. Okay. Yeah, there are a few F12 cases, though, where I will rotate for them just because I'm better at executing it that way or it's, like, slightly less awkward to grip uh, if it's, like, my last slot or something. But, but, but Andrew, that's, that, that, that's not ZZ, though. Exactly. <laughs> that's what people say. Thank you for reading the notes. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's almost like I could see what was coming. Yeah. I, I, want, I wanted to talk about this because I feel like there's, an, there's a thing that that cubers like get into a mindset of where you follow a method because it's the method and not because it's good. And this sort of comes up with what I was just saying for ZZ. And like, I've heard people try to make the argument and I mean, these are all ZZ based things and like ZZ just isn't that good of a method in general. So, you know, uh, but I'm sure this applies in other, other methods that I just am not familiar enough with Mm -hmm. uh, to have, to have experienced it. But um, like people will also say like, well, I've heard that always doing EO with cross is better for two-handed for ZZ um, rather than just doing EO line and then doing like freeform F12. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just like you should just do whatever is the best thing to do in each situation. So like if like I think it's it's impossible to say for that EO cross is better than just doing EO line because if you're in a solve where eo cross is the optimal thing to do then you would do it Mm -hmm. like that's still allowed with doing eo line whereas (laughs) whereas doing the line like it just leaves you more flexible so i feel like it by definition pretty much has to be better Mm -hmm. and obviously there's a way to take this argument like to absurdity um where you could just say well then in that case you shouldn't be using any method and you should just always be doing whatever is optimal to solve the cube method neutral oh man yeah, or, or just, like, not even having a method. Just, like, you know, do the most ergonomic, fastest thing to solve the cube. Duh. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that I think that it's... There's an interesting thing where people will take, like, a method too far and, like, not be willing to break the method or break out of something to take advantage of something that is just better. I don't know. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Uh, not particularly, but I'm also not, like doing zz or i pretty much am just cfop when i speed solve yeah i feel like i feel like there's got to be examples of this with cfop like maybe like like there are cases where you don't always want to you know like solve your cross before you start inserting f12 pairs but then i guess people just call that like an x cross or whatever so yeah i mean that definitely happens for me quite a bit i I, that's (laughs) just that's just free fopping for me um yeah but um it almost sounds to me like this (laughs) Because I know Jay McNeil is listening to this podcast. Hi, Jay. <laughs> um, and we all know his thoughts on ZZ. I, I like. I would imagine his thoughts to your statement right now is just evidence that ZZ is not a good method, and that like you're breaking toward CFOP like tendencies 
be just because CFOP is a better method. Yeah, I could see that argument. I mean, I to be clear, I do this very rarely. Like, yeah. like if I have like a triple Zexy case, but it's in like my back left slot, sometimes I'll rotate a little bit to like just that I can execute it better because I'm pretty bad at doing triple sexy with my left hand in the back slot. Well, and at least that Uh, case doesn't, that doesn't break EO anyways. Right. Yeah. So that, that's the thing. I, I, I won't like break EO, but if I'm doing something that temporarily breaks EO that I know is going to restore it. Right. Then, and it like won't mess up my last layer. Cause it it actually is like given my skill set. Like if I, if I don't have a cross last layer, I suck at last layer. Uh, Yeah. Like, that is a case where it's definitely, like, yeah, I shouldn't, just because something's better for solving an F2L case, I shouldn't, like, do it if it breaks EO and messes up my last layer. Because, I mean, that's what I was thinking of when you were sort of bringing this up, is there are a lot of cases that, for F2L, that are very, very um, short that would break EO, or the the non, or the EO neutral uh, case takes much longer. Right, and that that is, like, the reason that CFOP is probably better than ZZ. Yeah. Uh, just in general but yeah so i don't know i was just like i i guess i've probably encountered this more than most people i would imagine there's probably something similar for rue but it's like when you have a more niche method like sometimes there are there are cases where you have to step outside of the bounds of the method mm-hmm. I, I would imagine there's probably a similar thing for rue where it's like some people argue that you should always solve your dr edge i think first or something like that Oh, when you're doing for, second block when you're doing second block yeah and then, like, I think that typically people who are really good at Rue are just like, no, just, like, do whatever's best. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's just, like, I, I find that it it's interesting that some, for some things, people kind of take them to an extreme where they believe that, like, something has to be a certain way because that's what the method dictates. And then suddenly you're just not in the method. <laughs> you do something different. Yeah, I, I, and honestly, like, the case you thought that you mentioned, like, the back left uh, triple sexy or something, like, that to me more that that to me like if you're rotating to me in zz is like an advantage of the method i think that a requirement of the method in some sense is keeping your eo interesting yeah whereas like so i i don't know the way i'm kind of viewing that particular case is that doesn't seem to me like breaking zz it's just sort of that you were like kind of passing on one of the benefits of zz if that makes sense like yeah it does like you could do zz with like the eo on the lr faces rather than f and b Mm -hmm. because you like uh fub turning for some reason (laughs) and like that's still zz yeah uh i get it's it's like i do moves that aren't on like my original eo axis but i also have eo on that axis so it doesn't matter (laughs) right like, if you liked FUB turning, I'd be questioning why you're doing ZZ in the first place, but um, <laughs> I don't think that makes it less like ZZ. So, I don't know. I, I think that you're... I don't think you're necessarily breaking a requirement of the method. I think you're just passing on one of the advantages. Okay. That's an interesting take on it. Yeah. I just think of it as, like, yeah, I'm breaking the method, but it's still, like, like it's still better for me to do that than not do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, kind of like how, like, I guess, like, like I will happily use an RUF alg, right? Even though in the middle of that alg I'm breaking EO a bunch of times. But it's like obviously it's just correct to use that alg if it's the best way to solve the case. <laughs> and I assume it per- for you that it preserves EO as well. Right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it's just like if if it's like an OLO case and it's like sure in the middle of this OLO case I'm going to break EO, but it's going to be restored sure, by the end yeah. of it. 
then it's just the best way to solve the case. And I, I, I think of that F12 thing kind of the same way. It's like maybe I'm breaking my original EO, but by the end of it, I'm in the same place, and that is just the best way for me to solve the case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to hear anyone's thoughts on that, and if there is anything similar with Rue, especially from our Rue using listeners. We know there's a lot of you out there on Reddit. You love talking about, uh, at least at least on r slash keepers, people who do Rue love mentioning the fact they do Rue, it seems. <laughs> uh, Same with the people who use ZZCT, yeah. <laughs> which is like two people, but they post a lot for being two people. Um, <laughs> Wow, so you're saying it's a very large two. It's yeah, for large values of two. Yeah, uh, <laughs> two plus two equals five. What? So Andrew, there's been these uh, Red Bull competitions that have been happening. I've heard, and by I've heard, I mean you told me about them today. Yeah. <laughs> Word on the street is uh, so. Uh, it's been an interesting format in terms of like how they've been done. Like before COVID, they had like these like qualifiers that would happen. Uh, in various yeah. places around the world and then winners of each event would like qualify for the world championship which is like you know some big spectacle where red bull can take a bunch of promotional pictures and you know boost their own advertising and you know money money sponsorships yay cool <laughs> of course it's very difficult to do that in a covid world so recently they've been doing uh their qualifiers not as physical location events but as online events through the GoCube app Yep. Uh, which is kind of interesting. I've been told, because one of the concerns I had at least, because I've done many solves on GoCube, and it is very easy to, like, on, like, the normal leaderboards, not the Red Bull one. On the normal leaderboards, like, I've done this before, and I have, like, a five-second time on the leaderboard, because it's hmm. very easy to just uh, type in the moves into CE. Oh, yeah. And then hmm. just execute the near-optimal solution it gives you right off the bat. <laughs> Okay, yeah. And it doesn't detect it as, like, weird at all or anything. So I've heard they've put detection on uh, the, for the, like, they have some sort of, like, cheating detection for the Red Bull championships. Okay, that makes sense. I don't know, ex I, I don't know how it works. It's probably a good thing I don't know how it works, um, so that others also don't know how it works. Um, <laughs> but... Um, there is apparently ways to prevent that. I don't know. But again, I don't know what it is. I've never tried to cheat. Maybe I should just for science. But uh, yeah, so the app, it, it is a thing, though. And people are, you know, competing on these leaderboards. Top 16, like every other week, get to do this uh, stream online where they do like a knockout tournament. Okay. So I and I think that they're, this is I think this weekend's the last one. And then are they going to have, like, an actual, like, big event or something? Yeah, I think they're going to have, like, an online world championships from everyone that, like, qualifies from that, from from the, the qualifier events. Darn, I don't think I qualified. Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, I don't even think I qualified for the qualifier tournament. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, uh, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting idea that, you know, big companies have been sort of partnering to try to, like, have more of an online presence with cubing, because, um... Smart cubes do make it easier to prevent cheating, for sure. Although, like, I imagine out somewhere out there, there is, like, a LL skip finder or something that, like, if you pop in a scramble, it'll give you, like, a believable CFOP solution that, like, hmm. just LL skips or something like that. That'd be interesting. <laughs> um, I feel like I've heard of tools existing out there like that. And I my, my guess is that the, the cheating detection system would have a very hard time detecting that form of cheating. Yeah. I don't know if it would be that fast, though, because, like, 
that would that would necessarily have to be a much longer solve in terms of move count i mean if it's a computer searching for it though i'm sure it could find fairly optimal ll skips i just don't know i i don't know i like how many moves would it be i guess if it's like 30 35 moves or something it would still be pretty reasonable to execute yeah. quickly even if it were low 40s and you were just reading the execution off hmm. uh that would be pretty I fast guess I, I i could imagine maybe doing that with practice but if i were just to do it right now i feel like i would actually just be slower than i normally yeah. am because my normal my normal solve my normal solves are like around 50 moves yeah fair I, the point i wanted to bring up is that like these this it's not a foolproof system and maybe i should stop like brainstorming ideas for people that want to cheat out there um <laughs> but like um there do exist ways you can get around like a smart cube competition like, i'm sure there's ways to sort of reverse engineer the um the uh the turning of the cube too where you don't even have to turn the cube and it's just sending oh, yeah. <laughs> like the information of the two turns to the app. Yeah, that would be kind probably. of intense to do that, but <laughs> like that's something within the realm of possibility. It, point being, it's still cool that there's you know a fairly a fairly well held online competition thanks to Smart Cubes existing. Yeah. So I, when you told me about this, I competed in it mm-hmm. for this last week here. Yeah. I have a few things to say about it. Okay. First of all, it had me select what country I'm from using the worst country selector I've ever used. Um, it was not it was not searchable. I just had to scroll through the entire list, and it didn't even scroll very fast. And it didn't even put United States at the top for you. How dare it? It didn't they? put United States at the top. God. I had to scroll all the way down to you. Wow, that's it's embarrassing. I can't believe the United States is ranked 181st in the world alphabetically. It's just embarrassing, <laughs> you know, for a developed country to be ranked 181st. <laughs> Um, I like my U.S. centric country dropdowns that put U.S. at the top. <laughs> Come on, just make it searchable. That's all you have to do. Uh, anyway, that was my number one complaint about the experience. Uh, <laughs> my number two complaint is that speed solving a Go Cube is pretty bad. Yeah. Well, and that's that's one of the biggest complaints people have about this competition right now is that um, Rubik's released a their connected cube. Mm-hmm. Which I think is just basically the like um, I don't know I think it's very similar to like the the base go cube, not the edge, but it's in cubic form, so it turns a lot better. Okay, so actually I saw a thing that said I don't remember where it was, but on one of these screens in the app it said that you it requires an edge to compete. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, I, all I know is that the the Rubik's connected doesn't have rotation tracking. So, but maybe it has, maybe it has certain edge features, but not others. Like, it's probably the timing thing, because I think, like, the, uh, the, the um, refresh on the base Go Cube is really slow, like, only a few okay. times per second. So, on the base one, it just wouldn't be able to keep up with accurate timing. Yeah, exactly. They, they gave these, um, the, the new Rubik's Connected Cubes to, like, a lot of fast cubers that were, like, sponsored by Rubik's. Mm-hmm. And like anyone else that wanted to compete because they hadn't fully released this cube yet, despite starting the competition, um, <laughs> anyone that wanted to compete had to just use a Go Cube, which is really terrible. It's like you know, it's it's like situations where, like, it's kind of like the Haze Seven situation, but mm-hmm. almost worse, <laughs> where like a cube gets released and like certain sponsors have the cube, but the general public doesn't. Yeah. So I mean, with the GoCube, I think my times are like one second to two seconds slower, mm-hmm. which is pretty big. 
Yeah, I would say they're like four or five for me. <laughs> <laughs> but the time I ended up within the competition was 11.99. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting to me that they took the best single. Yeah, I also don't like that. Like an average. Yeah, know? like they take five solves. Why are they not just doing an average? Yeah, exactly. And it's like the WCA's format is like structured so that it's like, oh, if you get particularly lucky or unlucky on one solve, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right. But in this, it's like if you get particularly lucky, then hey, you just got lucky. And <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, I got an 11.99, which probably should have been like a low 10 uh if, if it were on, on another cube yep yeah so overall like the hardware requirement is not great also just like the fact that um i don't know i guess they kind of have to do this but i found it interesting that like you finish scrambling and then it immediately starts your inspection timer yep i guess it's fine like how else how else are you gonna do that you can't like allow unlimited inspection but uh right kind of caught me off guard <laughs> All right, cool. That's what I had to say. Yeah. <laughs> Other things to say. Yeah, so country selector. They need to improve it. Yeah, they, they country selector. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, it, it's definitely a weird format. I I think the biggest issue is just the fact that like they really should have waited for Rubik's Connected to be like publicly available to start these competitions because mm-hmm. I think it's like just been available in the past couple weeks. But like they're on like they're almost done, and this started in August. Yeah. Um. So I don't. That, it's just not a good look to me to like start a competition where you can use one of two cubes, one of which is clearly better for speed solving than the other, and you only give the good cube to your sponsored competitors. Like that's just an awful look. Rubik's Connected Cube shipped from September 2020, according to their website. Yeah, it, and I think it was like mid late September too. So it's like pretty recent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That That's like the shady thing to me. And I, I wonder if they almost did that because they wanted to get their own sponsories into the finals. <laughs> that that That's the biggest problem to me with these sorts of if like competitions outside the WCA take off is that there's just not a lot of care for like actual competitive fairness. Yeah, yeah. It's really good to have a like a organization that isn't like doesn't have other incentives. Right. Yeah, like there was a big deal made about um, whether like certain cubes like could be used in like, you know, the first few world championships. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like there was this Japanese two by two, I think that was very similar to the Ishin two by two in like 2005. And if if there's any like old, old, you know, longtime cubers out there that can correct the story, feel free to correct me. But from what I remember hearing about this is that. Um, there was a Rubik's branded two by two that was only available in Japan. That was very similar in performance to the Ishin, but the okay. Rubik's was trying to stop people from using the Ishin two by twos because they weren't Rubik's branded. And it was like, well, these other people who have access to your cubes can use them, and you're putting us at like a severe disadvantage if you do this. Yeah, and there was a big fight about it. And eventually, the WCA was that. It, was very recently formed at the time was like we need to ensure that people can use whatever cube they want regardless of brand because that just helps make sure that you know if there's options available that you can use them because there's very rare cases where you know that there's an option that the best option available is limited to people yeah it only really happens like right when a new cube is out or like is is prototyped or whatever right yeah and like the sponsorees get it for a few weeks like only the haze seven i think had a real issue where like it was given to kevin like months in advance of its release almost a year yeah (laughs) yeah outside of that like 
that system works very well for like having fair and equal access to hardware for the most part where it seems like this competition kind of in intentionally went against that <laughs> but what i wanted to move to is that um on the WCA forum, there's been discussions of trying to establish a similar format for the WCA to do. Okay. And I'm a little confused about it because um, they basically proposed almost exactly Red Bull's format as a way to do like head to head competitions, you know, have like, you know, re regional like national continental qualifiers or things of that nature mm -hmm. uh, to qualify competitors to a world championship event in which the WCA would hold that. My main thought is why? Like, I don't know what you think about this, but to me, it just seems like, why are we just copying Red Bull's idea and doing, yeah. and doing that when we already have a good formula? And maybe, you know, I can see like maybe having um, an alternative head-to-head -head format for major competitions that would be WCA recognized. I mean, I've, I've always just thought that head-to-head -head doesn't work particularly well for cubing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I also agree, but I think that as Cuban gets to a higher and higher level, it's going to work better. Okay. In at least at major competitions. Like I think head to head at like any anything smaller than a world championship is boring. Yeah. Um like there's just not uh enough competitiveness and not enough variability to give like whoever the underdog is a chance of winning. Mhm. Mm but I think like if you do a world's final with the top 16 competitors at Worlds, like the difference between one and 16 now is much smaller than it's ever been. Yeah, okay. And I think it, there will be some uncompetitive matches, but I think that from a viewer experience, it would be a lot more interesting to watch mm -hmm. and it would help sort of like promote cubing to, like as a watchable event to maybe those who don't watch cubing ever. Mm -hmm. because as fair as i think just doing averages of five are in a final it's not as exciting <laughs> okay yeah i can see that and especially to people who don't know what's happening it's very confusing too <laughs> like they, they don't like they're doing a bunch of solves and like you if you were to like watch the world's live stream and just with like no sound on no clue what was going on you're like are they just going by best time or like is, is it just whoever gets the best time on any solve wins or are they taking an average or is it are they because they alternate between two people are they going like head to head like like the way we do finals is very clear to cubers but it doesn't bode well for like actually turning cubing into like a more marketable event mm -hmm. so That's fair. but i'm also confused by the idea of basically stealing red bull's idea and just having the wca do it <laughs> yeah i think that the format we're currently using is pretty good and yeah, if we were to do a head to head thing, it would kind of have to be tracked like separately almost from what we're already doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have to, I, I think we could some like have a way to track head to head results on the WCA website, but like there would need to be new infrastructure for tracking that. Like there's not really a good way to fit it into the current model. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's ways it could be done, but it, yeah, it would require like a new way to like store the data. <laughs> but I do think that if, like we can get a, like figure out how we want to store and display that i think that having head-to-head -head final is like an optional format for certain events with approval of like wcat or board or whatever because i don't think every competition should be just using this format um i think it should probably be reserved for like some level of championship event 
and that if like smaller competitions want to do it for like practice or something that it can be just unofficial results yeah i mean i i have seen unofficial head-to-heads at a competition like there's mm-hmm. one there's one here in la that i mean is every year that COVID isn't happening yeah uh where it's like an outdoor competition yeah, Nisei week on a stage yeah and you say yeah and like anybody anybody can just like walk by and see it and there's often a head there's always a head to head at that mm-hmm. Um, which I think is, I think you're right that it, it is much more interesting for somebody who's just like walking by to come in and see this head to head thing happening than yeah. the rest of the competition. So I, I, it can be interesting in smaller competitions, but not necessarily, not necessarily to the cubers themselves. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. I, I think that it would be very exciting if all the competitors were from worlds and at a, competing at the highest level, because then there would be interesting matchups, but at a typical competition like Nisei week, no. Yeah, um, like it's there's going to be one, maybe two people that are competing for the 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 winning or the championship. Like they're going to basically be able to beat everyone, like sweep them and all their solves. Yeah, um, with ease. And then maybe you have two, like yeah, one or two people that are somewhat competitive, but there's probably a clear favorite among those two as well. And I don't. Know, I think 2019 was really the first worlds where cubing had reached like true high level competitiveness. Because I really think that until then, like, 2011 through 15, Felix was on just another level. Yeah. And if we were to do head-to-head, it wouldn't. there might have been interesting, like, matchups going on, but, it, like, whoever was facing Felix was just going to go down. 2017, it would have been the same thing, but just add Max to the mix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 2019, though, is where just everybody caught up to Felix and Max. Interesting. It really, I mean, if you just look at world results, like, the, you know, top six were separated by a roughly like a tenth of a second so there would have been some definitely like interesting matchups to be had especially if you once you get past probably like the first round i think it's a fun format and it would be useful for basically anything with championship designation like national continental or world but i don't think it's a format that should just be allowed generally i could get behind that in many ways where cubing is kind of like a weird precipice where it kind of needs to figure out whether it's going to be like what what balance is it going to be ta- taking in terms of for the community and for the brand of cubing itself mm-hmm. and yeah i feel like there's a lot of decisions that are gonna be important to be made around the near future especially once COVID is over yeah it's a good thing we have another like 10 years to figure it out before this is all over yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah looking forward to my next competition in uh 2029 yeah <laughs> uh it's what it feels it's sure what it feels like sometimes i don't know i i told jason a while ago that he jinxed us because um he as a joke um one of the last competitions we did here in the northwest was uh on leap day mm-hmm. and he made he made a joke that was like i'm really looking forward to holding the next leap day comp in 2048 uh, and I kept telling him, I was like, dude, I think you just jinxed us. Like, we're actually now not going to have a competition until then because of you. Yeah. <laughs> I sure hope we have a competition before 2048. 2048 is such a long time in the future. I know. I'm going to be like, like old. As <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not already. So we have this thing that we do sometimes where we come up with new SEE events. Oh, that's right. Uh, and then sometimes we don't do that, and it's fine. Uh, <laughs> this time, I think we've at least both done each other's events from last week. That is right. Or, and by last week, I mean like a 
a couple of months ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I've come up with a new one. I don't know if you've come up with a new one. I haven't done it yet. but I haven't done mine either, but I have an event now. All right. So let's talk about our, our old challenges. So the Unreal Man challenge was one you came up with. Yeah. And that is where you... Uh, so the, the Real Man challenge, if you're unaware from last time, is where you scramble a cube and solve it and time the entire scramble and solve procedure um but yep. unreal is where you also include reconstructing the solve <laughs> so uh how was that for you i am terrible at this <laughs> uh i had two successful solves out of five okay uh <laughs> the others i just gave up on trying to do the reconstruction because it was awful my first successful solve was a 758 I remember this first one was actually like kind of an interesting solve, and then the next one was I just like went slow so that I could reconstruct it faster, and the second solve I got successfully was 326. Nice. And the rest were all DNFs. Yeah, no, I'm just terrible at reconstructing my solves, apparently. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a curse. Like I, I, I usually can figure out, okay, I either did EO this way or that way. Mm-hmm. And then I just have no idea where I went from there because, like, what I do in each solve is very dependent on, uh, right. on like what I see. Yep. Yeah. I so the very first attempt I did was a DNF, um, and it basically very much um, <laughs> underestimated how hard it was going to be to remember what you did, <laughs> <laughs> um, and was just like, "Yep, okay, I'm quitting this because I just could not remember what I did at all." Um, <laughs> so the, my second attempt, I started like, I, my, my solves were slow. Like I probably did 30 to 40 second solves, mm-hmm. but I was very deliberate in trying to remember, like, try, like, I, you know, try to find a short cross solution. And then after that, like, remember the exact order of pairs that I did mm-hmm. so that I could know, because F2Ls for at least doing CFOP solves, F2Ls the hardest part to, to reconstruct f2l is oh yeah yeah for me i think i think i don't know it's i'm not sure where the trouble is for me because i would often do an eo and like think i had it but then the rest of the solve wouldn't come together so for me the hardest thing was the uncertainty about whether i'm even pursuing the correct path as far as eo (laughs) like are your eo line solutions typically memorable enough that you at least can get to like that stage consistently no. Yeah, and that's that sounds challenging. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just my EO, like I'm pretty good at like executing a lot of different cases and and there are a lot of different ways for me to solve any given EO that's like very similar in terms of how long it takes to solve it. I can usually remember like at least what color front I had. Yeah. Um but then there are just multiple ways of solving each one and I don't remember what I saw that chose me to pick uh pick a particular way. And, and the two solves that I have reconstructed, I think the common thing between them is that they both have one obvious EO for me, mm-hmm. whereas all of my other things had multiple. So, yeah. I think for me, it was, it, it was if I had at least a short cross solution, it was that was easy enough for me to remember. And cross is a lot easier, typically, to like get mm-hmm. consistent than EO line is, I would imagine. Um but yeah, once I had my cross down, it was like just I started to just remember what the colors were for each pair and tried to do as like basic of F2L cases as I could <laughs> uh, for each of them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
So I had four out of five successes. After I scuffed the first, I um, focused hard and got the remaining four. But um, you had a better single than I did. Yeah, so this single, the reason it's so good is that just the entire solution is incredibly obvious to me. Oh, okay. Like, I would never do anything different for this solve. (laughs) (laughs) That helps. Yeah, it's... (laughs) And I remember actually thinking that after the solve. It's like, okay, wow. So I just did the most obvious EO. The first pair I saw, and then all of the other pairs just were like free pairs in some way. Yep. So nice. <laughs> yeah, my best single was um, an OLL skip. So okay. that that helped a little bit. It went into EPERM for last layer, so that was a uh, that was a fun one to try to transcribe. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's too calm, so it wasn't that bad. But it was also just like the doing the rotation. Uh, in the reconstruction and um making sure i did it from the right angle too because it's symmetric um yeah yeah so i don't know so i did you did you do splits on your solves splits in terms of like how long it took me to solve scramble and reconstruct yeah scramble solve oh by the way is scrambling supposed to be part of it was supposed to be part of this right scramble solve and reconstruct okay good yeah, because I, I split on my solve. So, like, my best solve was a 6.39 second scramble, 20.96 second solve somehow. I don't know. I feel like I might have split late on that because this was a very easy solve. Um, and then a 2.59 reconstruction. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I didn't do any splits on mine. That would have been interesting, though. Because um, I, I, I felt like I solved very slowly. I just don't know how slowly I solved. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be interested to know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it was probably an average of like at least 30 seconds, if not more. Hmm. But yeah, we'll never know. All right. Yeah. So results, you had a best single of 435. I had a best single of 326, but you actually had an average. Yep. Sub six. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had an event too, though. I did, which was solving a cube in a mirror. Yeah, and holy crap, that is hard. <laughs> like, I've done that. I remember doing it before, but like, and maybe it's because I just did this after I woke up, like, before we were doing this podcast, but like, even five solves in, I was not wrapping my brain around how the cube was moving. <laughs> I know, right? Um, <laughs> you just wrote, like, I think that ZZ has a clear advantage here where it doesn't in my event, <laughs> um, in that you don't rotate as much. Well... That might be true if I were using ZZ. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't think I did because it's hard. To, it was way too hard to plan an EO That's line. That's true. Uh, yeah. In the mirror. That makes sense. <laughs> I don't actually remember what my results were. Did I talk about them last episode? I don't think so. Hmm. Maybe you did. I can't remember. Did Did you put your results in the notes anywhere? Uh no, I didn't. There are, I. I had to do them on my phone because I don't have a mirror yeah, on my computer. <laughs> okay, I think I've I've got my results here. Yeah, my average was a one twenty five. One twenty five. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had one oh six. Okay. I thought I, I okay, so I wasn't embarrassingly bad, I guess. <laughs> no, it's not too far <laughs> off. My solves went one twenty five, and then I was like kind of getting used to it, so I got a one oh three. Then a fifty seven was my best. Then, then a 101 and a 114. Yeah, I thought by solve three, I was like starting to get it because I was like 131, then 136. Uh, but solve three, I got down to 110 and then 113 for solve four. 
Uh, mm. But then went right back up to 133 on five. <laughs> so I see. Uh, I don't think I was getting it. I think yeah. I just I think I just got F2L cases that had a lot of like U2s or something that <laughs> made it easier. Um, yeah, I, that yeah the the hardest thing was rotating. Yes, definitely. I would I would constantly rotate in the wrong direction. Yeah, like ro- especially during cross, like trying to like see where I was making my cross. <laughs> Uh, and then like, ro- like I, I can, I think it took me like five to 10 seconds one solve just to rotate the cube to put cross on D. Oh, really? Yeah. Like <laughs> I was just not having a good time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very simple challenge, but it's surprisingly difficult. Yeah. Like I definitely remember doing it a long time ago. Like when I started cubing and like over 10 years ago, but, um, yeah, same. I feel like I had a better time doing it then <laughs> than I did now. <laughs> Like, I feel like I was a lot better, at least especially relative to, like, how, that I was slower back then, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the mirror screwed with me more than it did back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My new event. Okay. So, I don't know if you remember, but on the last episode, mm-hmm. um, you were trying to come up with a new event, like, mid-episode. <laughs> I don't even know if this made it into the show. Okay. But, uh... <laughs> This is how the Unreal Man Challenge came to be. That is true. I just, like, randomly, as a joke, suggested you move only solve, which, you know, thinking about, like, you know, you have to rotate the cube and then do a turn on you. Mm -hmm. My new event, though, is the you move only solve, where you also do you move only scramble, and there are no rotations allowed. So is this, like, real man, but you move only? (laughs) No, it's it's just it's just the the scramble is either you you prime or you two, and then oh okay, and then then you just see how long it takes you to solve it. <laughs> it this is like it's like a it's like a, a drilling AUF. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so do I? Do you like do the move and like toss it in the air so like it could be on any side? I. Uh, I believe let me let me make sure. I believe you can use QQ timers um one by one by two scramble generator. That does exist. There is uh <laughs> does a lot of R moves. Yep. Okay. So just use that scramble generator, make sure you lose track of it. So like don't look at the cube and just like, you know, just do the turns mindlessly so you have no idea what's solved or not. Yep. Uh and then and then turn your R face to you. And that's your scramble. Okay, so it, 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 I do want to put the cube on the U face. Yeah, yeah, no, don't, no rotations allowed. Don't, don't like, and don't like uh, rotate the cube before I start. Like, I can pre-rotate yeah. to you. Yeah, but, oh, and also to make it interesting, mm-hmm. uh, no inspection. Yes, yes, That's what, that was my next question is like, do I just start the timer and then then look at the cube? Should I cover it? Um, I guess, yeah, we could do a blind style where you have to uncover the cube and then, okay. then do the U move. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. So <laughs> one by one by two scrambles on QQ timer, cover yep. the cube, no inspection. Yeah. Got it. Sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Um, oops, all you move. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. So, Andrew, um <laughs> yeah. Have you been playing any Among Us recently? 
I have a little bit. I've been watching a lot of it recently, gotcha. more than playing. But yeah, well, I think you're going to be playing a little bit more now with my event. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so my event is the uh, covert among us uh, cube solving. Ooh, I have no idea what that means. But okay. yeah, so <laughs> I'm ready. <it's laughs> basically, um, your goal is to play Among Us and solve as many cubes while playing the game <laughs> as possible. <laughs> but the thing is, is that um, if uh, you lose the game, your your attempt is DNF'd. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so you have to also try to like play well and pay attention to the game. Yes. Um, there's probably going to be cases where, you, like a lot of cases, where you could just kind of stop paying attention. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you'll just get a lot of cubes in and win anyways. Um, but we'll just see how this goes. It'll be more interesting if everybody in the lobby is playing the game. Yeah, <laughs> is is doing the the cubing challenge. Yeah, I don't know if I could convince like you know nine other people to do that, but um, <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna be trying to do it in some games that I'll be playing probably in the between now and the next episode and see how it goes. All right. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I get in on some of those. Yeah. Um, oh, also another um, another rule that I'm not, I'm curious what you'll think of this rule. I'm not sure if I should add it in. Um, but if people figure out that you're solving cubes during the game, then you're, it's also DNF'd. Hmm. Okay. But if you are currently playing the game, you can't call someone else out. Or oh, it's like if we're in the same game, we can't call each other out. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it would be too easy. Yeah, yeah, right? that's, like, that's fair. I just like, call you out every time. We can't call if if we end up playing Among Us games together and we're doing this, we can't call each other out. Or how about if we call each other out and we're wrong, then we have to DNF our best attempt so far. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's just cleaner if we don't call each other out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the the the, the best way you're gonna d- get this done is by like getting killed early. Yeah. <laughs> um, d- then doing all of your tasks quickly and then just solving a bunch of cubes. Alternatively, calling as, like, convincing people to call as many emergency meetings as possible yeah. and stalling for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, that would work too. <laughs> um, yeah, there's probably a lot of ways you could do this. The other thing too is maybe just, like, get killed early and then just, like, sandbag your tasks because it's so easy yeah. to, like, do all your tasks as a ghost that like if it does become part of the win condition then you can do them that's true um but if it doesn't then you just didn't waste your time doing tasks (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm wondering what if like the best strategy is to be the imposter and then just not kill anyone (laughs) like get your like immediately eject your other imposter and then just spend the rest of the game waiting for everyone to win on tasks but then you lose so you dnf oh that's true right okay i forgot about that yeah (laughs) yeah that's the other weird thing about this too is you need some long games to get uh more cubes in yeah (laughs) all right two wonderful events yeah (laughs) maybe we should combine them all you moves during among us (laughs) no i'm I'm good thanks though (laughs) Like an all so when you mean all you moves, are you thinking just your event or actually doing a solve where you rotate to you and do like index figure flicks the entire time? 
Oh, no, I was just thinking my event. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, an all-you moves was really just, like, an index finger-only solve. Because, <laughs> like, what is a rotation, really? Well, you can't do, like, the thing where you have, like, your thumb on the F layer, and you're, like, doing the flick. Like, I don't know if, if you can picture what I'm talking about, but, like, you know, you can do, do F moves with your pointer finger, but it's still very clearly the front face. Oh, true, yeah. So, like, your thumb has to not be on the layer that you're turning, I guess, mm. if if that were the event. But it's not. The event is much better than yeah. that. Yeah, um, there would be a lot of gray area if you were to do that, because, like, I can imagine, like, very quickly, like, kind of ha- being ready to do an F, just kind of re-gripping your yeah. left hand doing the F and then re-gripping again. Mm-hmm. Or just, like, ungripping and not really re-gripping. I don't, there would be a lot of gray areas to what is considered actual rotation. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks, but no thanks. Uh, All right. Cool. Well, that's the podcast. Oh, is that it? <laughs> Maybe. Do we need to like do some like incoherent rambling to somehow transition us back into reality and out of dream world? <laughs> okay, don't forget to set your alarm. <laughs> <laughs>